live from Utrecht. This is Bitcoin Explained. Hello. Hey, Sjors. What's up? I'm good. And welcome back, Ruben. Thank you. Good to be back. Back-to-back episodes for you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Almost. Or, or has there not been an episode in between? I don't even know. We, yeah, no, we, we... skipped last one. So, okay, okay. yeah, no, it's truly back-to-back for you All this right, time. cool. Uh, happy you are back because we're going to discuss a particularly interesting and at least in my opinion pretty complex topic Mm. Uh, we did have a we had a call the three of us before we started recording this this afternoon and uh it was basically a call between the two of you because (laughs) (laughs) i tapped out after like a minute and especially when it it became mathematics when the mathematics came into play that's where it went a little bit over my head, so let's see. Yeah. Let's see how we can manage this episode today. Yeah, for me, it was also just confusing initially, especially reading some of the documentation that you know explains some of the assumptions behind it, and then just skips all all the details that I care about to actually understand it. And uh, it's not the full math, but yeah, you know, it's like God, ah, tell me one more thing, tell me one more thing. But then, you're, you're, if you're listening to a high level talk by somebody who's not trying to make it technical, they're not filling out the details, and then if you want to read. An actual spec, it's too technical. So. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the thing we are gonna discuss are is discrete lock contracts, also known as DLCs. Yeah, and it's spelled discrete E E T, which kind of means like you know, uh, n- uh, careful in what you're saying, versus discrete with E T E, which is single digits, like a discrete number. But it's a it's a pun. Yeah, uh-huh. you cannot say in audio because it sounds the same. <laughs> I think the end result is that people are just confused, but <laughs> it's a uh, it's funny for those who aren't in know. Yeah. Anyway, so let's start with a short summary of what discrete long lock contracts actually are. Uh, I would summarize it as they are they are essentially smart contracts for Bitcoin, and a little bit more specifically, they are bets essentially. Yeah. And the interesting thing about bets is that many types of financial contracts are essentially bets. Even if we don't normally think of them as bets, you you can sort of distill them as bets. Like right, the, they're not gambling necessarily. They could just be saying, "I think the dollar is going to go up, uh, so I want a derivative project uh, product that follows the dollar price." Uh, and you could call that betting, but it's 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 a sane thing to do, even as as a non gambler. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or like an insurance, if you if you're insuring your house in a way, you're sort of betting that your house will burn down. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And and then if you lose the bet and you didn't, you know, your your house is still there. You're kind of happy, but you know, it did cost a little bit of money, so that's sort of the down payment. Well, if your house burns down, you you win the bet and you get all this money. So a lot of financial products are essentially bets. So that's why it's uh, interesting to think of how. Can we bring this sort of betting to Bitcoin? And then what we really want, or you know, the essence of smart contracts, what smart contracts are uh, ideally at least, is that these bets are executed automatically, right? Yes, and in the case of blockchain, not just automatically, but also in a way that does not require any trust. Now, just a <laughs> spoiler, um, there is this thing called the Oracle problem. And we are not solving the Oracle problem. So the, the Oracle problem basically means that if if you have anything that relies on information outside the blockchain, uh, well, anything except the knowledge of a private key or a hash, um, if you need any kind of information from outside the blockchain, like the weather or the dollar price, there has to be an Oracle that knows this thing. And the blockchain has no idea if the Oracle is lying or not. And we, we're not going to solve that. So everything we're doing here still assumes that the Oracle is honest and there, there are some tricks that you can use to make it slightly more honest, but uh, it's not a perfect solution. Well, that well, that is kind of what we're doing, right? We're sort of trying to minimize the trust in the Oracle, or at least a little bit. Well, yeah, and we're also trying to reduce the workload for the Oracle um, and increase right. the plausible deniability for the Oracle. Yeah, that's, that's I think, an important point where the Oracle doesn't have to be directly involved with, with your bets. It can just post the outcome. And then you take the outcome and you resolve your bet with that outcome without the Oracle specifically having to know that you are even betting. Right. And that also makes the Oracle hopefully more neutral. So again, you cannot guarantee that. Yeah. Okay. So before we get into it, let's pick a very nice and easy sort of bet that everyone will understand is a bet. If it's going to rain tomorrow. 
I don't like that one, sure. So how about... <laughs> Especially because well, the answer tends to be yes here. So. <laughs> <laughs> True. Let's go for the World Cup final. We'll, we'll have the World Cup later this year. Let's assume the World Cup final is the Netherlands versus Germany. And now we're going to bet on the winner of the World Cup final. Yeah? All right. Yeah. All right. That's trivial, but yeah. Th- that will be the bet throughout this episode. Obviously, the Netherlands is going to win, but okay. Yeah. The Netherlands versus Germany. All right. In the World Cup final. So, the very... Let's start at the beginning. We want to solve this problem. Um, Ruben and Schorsch, you want to bet against each other. Ruben, you're betting on the Netherlands, apparently. Schorsch, you're betting on Germany. Now, we need to make this trustless somehow. I think the most basic solution is to create a multisig. Well, you could create a multisig between the two of you, two of two, Mm. but then you have the obvious problem that the loser might not cooperate, right? Yeah, yeah. So if we take the next step, we'll, we'll take it one step further. We'll introduce the Oracle. That's going to be me. Both of you trust me. So now we create a two out of three multisig. And now that the final has been played, the Netherlands has won. At this point, either Schorsch can cooperate with Ruben to get all the money in the multisig to Ruben. Mm. Or if Schorsch, Schorsch doesn't co- cooperate, then Ruben can contact me. I'll step in. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll acknowledge that the Netherlands won the final. So I'll provide my signature and I'll help Ruben get the money. Yeah. And now, because I can do this, and because both of you know I can do this, and Shorts in particular, you know for a fact that I can do this. So at this point, there's really no reason for you to obstruct. You might as well just cooperate, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so you, this could just be a trusted friend, or this could be, you know, the actual organization that runs the soccer match that you know has no reason to lie about the result and is subject to some scrutiny but the problem is then of course if you want to if you want to do a contract with this this world cup organizer uh you know you need to involve them you they actually need to sign something specifically for you and yeah. they may not want to do that because hey then they're cooperating with sports betting or they you know they don't feel like doing that i don't know yeah, the, what you're saying is that, uh, that work. there are a number of problems with this solution. One of them is it requires me to actually be actively involved in your bet, even before the bet is made. I need to provide my public key, and I sort of need to know what you guys are doing, and I need to agree with that. Yeah. And then after the bet, you might need my help, and I might do stuff. And um, if it's just two of you, that's maybe you know acceptable, but now... Tens of thousands of people want to make the same bet, and I would have to provide my public key to ten thousands of people, and uh, and now it starts to become a lot of work, right? Yeah, and yeah. they don't even Plus, know what you exactly are betting, right? So they they would have to read the terms and conditions of each of your bets to even know which side to have to sign, because you can't tell by the public key which which side I Ruben betted on. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's pretty tedious. Yeah, and then there's a problem that I need to know what you guys are doing, which is sort of bad for your privacy. I know, need to know which coins are yours and what they're used for. Um, are there more problems? Uh, well, I think uh, I think you summed it up pretty well. That that said, I think it's it's possible. It's not it's yeah. not impossible. Yeah. Obviously, I could uh, try to cheat by, for example, Shors could try to bribe me. Yeah. He could contact me, say, "Hey, Aaron." Let's uh, share the price and forget about Ruben. Let's share the price between us. And, you know, I could be corrupted in this way. It's not a problem. Lots of problems with this solution, even though it technically works. Yes. I, I will say there's an upside to it as well, uh, which is that if the bet somehow is unclear or, I don't know, there's a meteor crashes on Earth and uh, the finals are canceled. Uh, and now we're like, oh, what are we going to do with our bet? Um, then you being a human, uh, you can maybe, you know, sort of have a de- you can make a decision on our behalf um that's maybe one uh, one small advantage but I, I don't think it's a great one okay method two yeah uh, so method let, one yeah so let's try to improve on this solution sure you wanted to improve on the solution yes um so i today i learned about a concept which i had not followed and it's called reality keys yeah and and this is actually a pretty simple idea uh it takes it one step further this uh, is an existing thing. It this, was an existing this thing. This was an existing it, thing. It existed okay. between uh, 2014 and 2018, and it just disappeared. And I don't think a lot of Bitcoiners remember, but it was actually kind of a yeah, really awesome little platform. Uh, I think... Uh, but it, the, the general it. idea uh, still exists, of course. You can do this. Yeah. 
So what the, what the uh, World Cup leaders in this case probably, they would be the Oracle, what they would do is they would say, here is two public keys, public key A or public key N, I guess, uh, and public key D, as in the, the Netherlands public key and the Germany public key. And depending on who wins, we will publish one of those keys. Uh, we will publish no, the private key of one of those two keys. Right. So either winner, both winners have a public key attributed to them, essentially, by reality keys, by whoever is running this. And based on the winner, depending on who wins, they will publish one of the corresponding private keys. Yeah, and they promise to only publish one. So in that case, uh, Ruben and I set up our little multisig with, again, uh, two out of three, I think, the threshold, one key of you, one key of me, and then um, the Germany key, I guess, would, would send it to me, and the Netherlands key would send it to you. It's a little bit more complicated. Well, well, but, well essentially, I guess you would set up two two of the three multi-six, you, right? You can do, uh, well, you can make it a two of two, where one is my key plus the Netherlands key, and the other key is Shores plus the Germany right. key. That also makes sense, yeah. But the, uh, you know, the, the thing is that reality keys doesn't care. They're just going to issue the key, and we get to do with that key whatever we want. So we can set up, we can set it up in any way that we like. Uh, but that would be a, a plausible way for. Yeah, I guess we we put the money into the multisig and then we take it out. We have two different pre-signed transactions, right? One that takes it out, or something like that. Uh, yeah, you, you you probably want two out of three, where uh, the third key is you and me together. So, well, no, well, that might also not make sense. Yeah, I'm not sure. But anyway, like you need to have a fallback for if the, uh, if reality keys doesn't issue any key whatsoever. Uh, yeah. So you need to take that into account as well, which we didn't and, thus far. But and there's another there. problem that they might actually reveal both keys. <laughs> yeah. Um, which is a problem. Uh, and that's not a problem in the uh, first situation because they're just putting the signature. Yeah. I guess they could also just sign two transactions. Then you have to fight over it with, you know, replace by fee. Well, yeah, you could have two bets with the uh, interactive oracle, and and it could resolve those two bets in a different way, right? Uh, even though there's one one outcome. So, yeah. that, I think we're botching this. I think the simple solution would be to have three out of four, right? And then you both sign. Am I saying this right? What's the, what's the solution? <laughs> no, there, because Ruben? Uh, the <laughs> there has to be a different result depending on which public key gets published. Yeah. If it's just three out of four, the the script doesn't care which three. So it would it would just send the money to one person regardless of who wins. So you need to think about this a little bit. Two out of four, I think. Anyway, <laughs> two out of four. That makes sense. I think I, I think guess. that works. <laughs> I think yeah. I sold it. That's that's the one. <laughs> okay. All right, we figured it out. Two out of four. However, we're still not. So, uh, so yeah, to clarify, two out of four because uh, well, then because Oracle can, can steal though. <laughs> There's still a problem. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey, this sounded very simple on paper until we started to actually uh, figure yeah, this out yeah. live on the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know the, the platform so, is down. You can't really test it anymore. But uh, you know what was interesting about the platform is that it actually it worked with APIs. So it was just connected to a bunch of APIs, and you could then just tell it to pay attention to that API and and publish a key depending on an event from that API. So it was semi-automated. Uh, in that regard. Uh, so it was kind of a nifty little uh, platform that I think is very um, similar, but you know, one sort of downside, I think, to that that platform that we're going to address as well is that it was mostly centered around binary bets, right? Where either one party or the other party is going to win or the price of Bitcoin is going to be X at this date, uh, things like that. Uh, but so not very, um, you wouldn't have these kind of bets with a granular outcome where, depending on the price, I get this amount of Bitcoin and Shores gets some other amount of Bitcoin. Right. And especially when you're talking about, say, uh, the US dollar price, if that's what you're betting on, yep. then it could be have all sorts of numbers involved. Okay. So um, So, anyways, reality keys. I don't understand how it would actually work, but there's probably some <laughs> way to make it work. I'm sure where, there's a way. <laughs> where the Oracle just publishes a private key depending on the winner. But we just discussed that as a sort of stepping stone for the actual subject of this specific podcast which is dlc's and that's sort of what we're getting at yeah. now right so who wants to give dlc's a first go um i'll uh i'll start and then maybe shores can uh, can continue from where i begin right um so i think the the dlc paper uh, uh, came from uh, tad Dryja, uh, who currently uh, works on utrix so uh, a very interesting project as well which i think we discussed we have yeah, yeah. Yeah, also um, one of the co-authors of the Lightning white paper. Yeah, and the Lightning and Network paper as well. Yeah, good points. Um, so 
the idea there is to basically have the uh, the bet be a channel where you lock up your funds together with a counterparty. And then from that state where you have a channel, uh, so it's very similar to, to a lightning channel, right? There's two of two and you would have to have some kind of transaction where you can exit out of it in, in case you, you uh, disagree or something. So uh, hang on, in this specific case, essentially Ruben ensures the two of you would open a payment channel, which looks a little bit like a lightning channel. Yeah. Right. Okay. Go yeah. on. The, the initial yeah. setup, so, is, which the, essentially the means you're both depositing funds in this channel, right? Yes. But the way so. that you can get the funds out is sort of the key difference mm -hmm. where now in order to get your funds out, you have a bunch of transactions that are basically bet outcomes. And so in our example, a world cup, uh, Netherlands versus Germany, uh, we would have uh, two transactions basically. One transaction uh, would be a transaction where Shores wins. So he, he can publish his version of the transaction uh, and then he can spend that money with both his key plus the key of the Oracle uh, where the Oracle says uh, that uh, Germany won. Uh, but then there's also a time lock because if Shores publishes his transaction, but that transaction is actually uh, not the, the one that the Oracle published, uh, well, then basically what happens is that he can't spend it because he doesn't have both keys. He only has one of the keys. And then the time lock expires. And the time lock says that after the time lock expires, I get to take the money. Okay, so hang on. In a lightning channel, if I'm remembering correctly, which I think I am, both of you would essentially, you've exchanged signed transactions right you, you both have a different version of the redemption transaction am i saying that right yeah yeah and and so in this case both of these transactions depend on the outcome of the match essentially so you would have the transaction that should be broadcast if the netherlands wins ruben yeah and then shores has a slightly different version of an almost identical transaction that he should broadcast if Germany wins, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay, so... And in both cases, if we happen to broadcast the wrong one, which, you know, we don't have to do, but then the other side can just take the... Yes, this is what, what Ruben was just explaining. So yeah. the Netherlands won in our example, uh, and Schorz bet on Germany, so yeah. Schorz has the transaction that he should broadcast only if Germany wins, but he broadcasts it anyways. The reason he can't actually claim the funds is because he needs something from the Oracle in combination with his own signature in order to actually claim the funds, right? Exactly. Yes. And so he, because he can't do that, now a time lock is ticking, yeah. is going to clock out at which point the money is sent to you, Ruben. Yes. So that's sort of a strong disincentive for Shores to try to claim the money even though he didn't win. Yes. Yeah. Okay, and so it, this it's useful to know here that a transaction, you know, has inputs and outputs, and so the transaction that that both of the transactions that go out of this pot that we put the money in or this channel, both of them have the same inputs, so both of us can just throw it on the chain because they, you know, but the outputs are different, and so we need another transaction to actually take the money to really own it, and that's where the, uh, the Oracle signature comes in. Right, yeah. so so let me ask about it. So the Netherlands won. Ruben, you bet on the Netherlands. Yeah. So we just gave the example where Schoss is trying to cheat. Let's forget yeah. about that. Now you're just broadcasting the legitimate transaction. Yeah. Which requires now a signature from you as well as what's the other thing exactly? Yeah, so so really what it is, and, and we have to go into more, more detail here, but essentially it is two keys. One is mine and the other key comes from the Oracle. And wait, I wait, 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 you're saying key. Do you mean key or do you mean signature? I or? mean an actual key. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, there, I, when I send my transaction to the Bitcoin blockchain, there's going to be an output and the output is encumbered by a key. And that key is the combination of my key and a key that is provided by the Oracle. And I basically take both keys. Uh, when the Oracle re reveals his, uh, his private key, uh, I get that private key. I combine it with my private key. And that combined number is what I use to sign the transaction and then actually take the money. And yeah. I have to do that because if I don't do that, then the time lock expires and Shores gets to take it. Yeah, and to go back to that encumbering, it's it's encumbered, of course, by the public key. Of It's encumbered by... So it's basically saying anybody with this public key can spend it. And this, this public key happens to be your public key plus a public key that we have pre-computed that belongs to the Oracle. 
Yeah. And right, so this is on. sort of where the where the magic comes in because it's not the same as the previous mechanism. The yeah. the Oracle is not actually publishing a private key like a private key to holds funds. Um but this is uh, but we're actually getting it from the signature. And this is kind of where things get a little uh funky. Uh, because a signature is really two numbers. It is essentially a public key, or it's not a public key, but it's it's a point, a point on the elliptic curve, and it is a, a number. And in general, when you have a number, you can treat that as a private key, and when you have a point, you can treat that as a public key. And the reason is that you can very easily go from a number to a point, but you cannot go from a point to the corresponding number. So that's why the private key is the, the number, and the point is the public key. Um, but in the case of the signature, we don't interpret it that way. So we're seeing a point and we're seeing a number. Um, but but we can if we want to, and that's actually what we're doing here. So we're interpreting the the second part of the signature, which is a number. We're interpreting that as a private key. And that is the private key that we're missing. And now yep. the nice thing is that the Oracle can publish, you know, can sign anything really. They can publish any signature they want. And depending on exactly what message they sign, we're going to get a different private key in that signature. Yeah. And so if they publish Germany, uh, then I get a private key. Then, then that private key that the Oracle just published is useful for me. It allows me to redeem the coins. If the Oracle wrote Germany in the message, then Ruben gets, his private key, uh, gets the private key that is useful for him and of no use to me. And to make it even nicer is if they publish both, well, now we can actually um, punish the Oracle because the um, Oracle also has its own private key. And by this, I mean the real private key uh, that he would use to protect his own funds. And that now becomes known because there's a rule that if you publish, basically, if you make two, um, if you sign two different messages this way, uh, you're giving away your, your private key. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly right. So maybe uh, to sort of give a, a but that's maybe a little bit tangential. But, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. To to give sort of a high level uh, you know, summary here is that basically we just get the oracle to pre-commit to what it's going to sign. So it's going it's going to say like, look, I'm going to sign either Germany or the Netherlands, and we calculate ahead of time what that signature is going to look like, a and we use that. In our uh, in our scripts in our transactions. Well, you can know what the signature will look like exactly, right? No, we know yeah. one part of that signature what's going to look like. Yeah, we know sort of the, we we know the as Shor stated, you can treat the signature as a key, and so we know the public key, but we don't know the private key basically of of the signature. So so we treat the signature as a, as a key, and we only know the public key, and we don't know the private key until the oracle actually signs. Yo, what is going on, guys? We are proud to have Voltage as a sponsor of this episode. How many of you developers out there have wanted a streamlined infrastructure provider for your particular project? Well, I'll tell you what. Voltage is the Bitcoin infrastructure provider you have been looking for that makes building on Bitcoin quick and easy, whether it's Bitcoin nodes, Lightning nodes, BTC pay, and so much more. But don't take it from me. Just ask the guys over at Amboss, Sphinx, Podcast Index, and Thunder Games, and so many others that you guys already know and love. Their enterprise-grade products make it fast and easy to build, deploy, and scale your next project. So make it easy on yourself. Even normie plebs can use the dashboard or API. Don't wait before the next block confirmation. Let your team focus on building great products and let Voltage handle all the rest. Voltage is your go-to zero-management Bitcoin infrastructure solution. Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 
podcast at checkout. All right. Well, I didn't get all of that. <laughs> maybe some of our listeners did. I, I do want to, at the risk of confusing our listeners even more, I actually want to take one step back. Mm. So we were discussing this reality keys idea yeah. where the Oracle would just publish a private key. Why can't we just use that in this setup? So the yeah. Netherlands one, Ruben, you're now publishing your transaction that allowed you to tra- to withdraw the funds, which requires your signature. And why don't we just say it also requires a signature from a private key, which is right for the Netherlands specifically? Yeah. Like we were thinking out loud where we were at that step of the podcast and we were budging mm-hmm. it, but this actually seems to make sense to me. Like this yeah. would actually work, right? Yeah. So, so the, I think the first thing to point out is that, yes, that works. So if you're confused about everything that we said, you can just think of it in that way. Right. So that's, I think, like the first, first point. Uh, second point is there, there are two subtle differences. Uh, and the first difference is what Shores explained earlier, where if the Oracle signs two things, we can punish the Oracle by, by extracting their private key. Right, yeah. So, so if... So, so the Oracle yeah, would the, say in this case... If the Oracle was published both results for whatever reason, then there's this mathematical trick where you can combine the signatures and from there derive the actual private key from the actual Oracle. Yeah. And assuming that the Oracle put up some funds there to prove that it won't cheat, that's how it, how you how you're sure that the Oracle will only publish one result, right? That's yeah. the point here. Yeah. Right. And then there was another solid point I think you were going to yeah. mention, Ruben. Yeah. And the second point is sort of a, a smaller one that probably not everybody appreciates, but it's just less data, basically. So it, the Oracle can basically commit to what it's going to what it's going to reveal in in less data than you would need if you would if you would uh, create a public key for every bet event. Well, and this becomes especially important if you're doing something like predicting the price of the US dollar in Bitcoin, because yeah. you might want to publish a six-digit number, and that yeah. means you know hundreds of thousands of, of public keys that you would have to publish for each possible value, and you'd have to pre-sign transactions for each of these possible values. Yeah, well, well, not necessarily because you can do it in binary, which right. makes it a lot less. I guess we'll get to that. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get to that later, yes. Yeah. Okay, so it may be fun to just dive into a little bit more detail just for those who do understand the math better than we. (laughs) Um, Do we? Yeah, so there's a couple of things that the Oracle publishes or that that are known here. If if you look at uh, what a signature is, it's like a couple, it's like an equation essentially. Uh, If I can read it out loud, you have uh, on the left side of the equation, you have um, S times G, uh, where S is the uh, signature, uh, G is the, um, what's it called? Generator. Is a generator. Now, the generator is a publicly known universal number that uses that all of Bitcoin uses. So that's a number that everybody knows. So we only have one unknown thing on the left side. Yeah. And then on the right side, we have capital R. And R is actually something that the Oracle is going to reveal before the bet. So they're going to say, this is my R. So again, we have something that we already know. Then yeah, we have... The, the capital R meaning it's a, it's a curve point. Yes. And then the next part of the equation is plus the hash of R concatenated by the message. So the message is something we, we already said. We don't know what the message will be, but we can enumerate all the possible messages. We can, you know, we can enumerate M is Germany or M is Netherlands. And we're hashing that with R. And we know R. Yep. So that's all known. And then there's times P, capital P. And P is the public key of the Oracle, which they've also published. So the Oracle will say, hey, I'm a Bitcoin-related Oracle, so you have to assume G is the generator as we know it in Bitcoin. Uh, here's my public key. And by the way, this public key belongs to a Bitcoin address and there's a million dollars on it. So I'm not going to do anything bad. <laughs> um, and here's an R that I'm going to use for this specific bet. Uh, so you have to have a new R for every bet. But in this case, if it's Netherlands, Germany, here's the R for that. And so that equation that I just read out loud only really only has one real unknown, and that's lowercase s. Yeah. And if you have an equation with only one unknown, well, then you're quite happy, right? Yeah. Except in this case, you cannot actually derive the public uh, the private key because, if we said, you cannot go from a public key to a private key. So anyway, um, that's just to say that you know if you really looked at it and you had a little bit more time and you could see it in front of you, you could you see it's an equation with some unknowns, and it's not that hard. Yeah. 
And so then when the bat, uh, when, when the uh, Oracle actually signs a message, they, they let you know which M they picked. That's not going to be too much of a surprise. Uh, it's going to be the Netherlands. And then it's going to actually put down the signature, and that reveals this lowercase s. That was the only missing part from our equation. Um, and we use that to do our little um, our own signature. Yeah. Okay, so let's bring this back to the real world a little bit. We start with the example where George and Ruben, the two of you, are betting on the winner of the World Cup, and I was part of a multi-sig who would help in case one of you tried to obstruct. And he went, and then we uh, mentioned some of the problems with that. Now we have this new solution, which we just described, which I sort of get, and the two of you seem to get it pretty well. So the benefits here are that the FIFA, who's organizing the World Cup, they can always just publish a signed message of the winner. Yeah. And this can be used by anyone. Right, so so the FIFA does not need to be part of any multisig. They do not need to have any active involvement. They do not even need to know that a bet took place at all. Yeah. All they need to know is that they need to sign a message, and this will allow anyone to create bets on their own accord. Right. That is correct. Is that and uh, and optionally they can publish they can post a collateral that if they cheat, right, then uh, they lose a collateral. But that's not essential for the algorithm. Yeah. Right, and then I think another benefit here is that if the FIFA would try to cheat for whatever reason, if they would announce the wrong winner, then that's also very obvious and publicly known to anyone. So now everyone knows we shouldn't rely on them to settle our bets for the next World Cup. Yeah, right? which, so which might be more difficult to prove in the earlier scenarios, right, where they uh, where where they just manually sign one of our sides. We don't really. You know, you don't really know what was going on there. It's not I think it's still solvable because you can get yeah. them to commit to what they're going to do and then you can reveal that they said they were going to do X if this happened and they didn't. So yeah. okay. it, it's probably solvable either way, but uh, it's it's a little nicer here. It's, it's more formalized. Okay. Okay, so uh, the, this message that FIFA is broadcasting, this can be used, as we explained, in combination with your own bets, depending on who won. You yeah. publish the original transaction that you have, then you use this signature from the FIFA combine it with your own signature does this require snore by the way does this require snore signatures it's easier it so the the oracle signs with snore signatures because uh that's the because snore signatures are linear and that's how you can do the thing that uh, Shores just collateral. explained uh, well that's how you can that's how you can calculate ahead of time what the expected signature is going to be, the public key of the expected signature. Right. And, and you need you need Schnorr for that. You can't do that with the ECDS, I, I believe. Um, but the uh, on, on the side of the betters, uh, you can use ECDSA. But we're not going to or because Schnorr. we're cool people and we use Schnorr. That's right. Anyway, uh, but there's more. Okay, yeah. I was almost done with sort of reiterating the point of how it actually works. So the FIFA broadcasts a message saying the Netherlands won in this case. Then Ruben can take that message. He broadcasts the transaction that he had. Yeah. Shores cannot because then he might lose his money. So Ruben is broadcasting that message, uh, that transaction, and then he uses this signed message from FIFA, combines it with his own signature, with and now key. Yeah. with some key, and now you're withdrawing the funds for yourself and you won the bet. And that's right. The FIFA doesn't even need to know that there was a bet at all. Yep. Right? Great. So that gets us one step ahead and then i think there's another incremental improvement which we're also going to discuss is that right that yeah and, and that basically do? gets well, rid of a bunch of transactions and makes it look even more uh inconspicuous so hang on what i just explained to what we just discussed are discrete log contracts right from the from the paper by task Raja. so right. this is the original design and not the design that it's currently in use. Okay, so now there has been an improvement on the original design. Yeah. Is it still called discrete log contracts? Yes. All right, just an improved version of it. It is It is just, it, I would say it's a slight tweak that was kind of obvious, um, but makes things a lot easier. All right. Who wants to... I, who, I think I'm going to go give this one to Ruben. Okay. Because he right. wrote a mailing list post about it. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Um, so to my knowledge, I'm the first person who actually wrote it up. Uh, I don't think it was super like novel because it's literally just 
uh, I just realized, oh, you can combine adapter signatures with uh, the DLC um, um, protocol that Tad's Raja came up with. Wait, you're being modest probably, but are you saying, did you invent this? Is this your, was no, this your yeah, original I, I, idea? I mean, I, I don't think, because it's literally just, uh, yes, I, I'm probably the first person who mentioned it, but it wasn't like, it, it wasn't an invention, I would say, because it's literally just you're taking adapter signatures, which was uh, invented, I guess, by Andrew Poolstra, mm -hmm. and applying it to the DLC protocol. And there's nothing, like, it's a very straightforward one-to-one -one conversion um, so uh, I guess I'm the first person who who maybe saw the connection. Maybe uh, I'm sure other people must have seen it too, but just didn't uh, mention it. I'm I'm at least maybe the first person to actually mention it. Okay, uh, let's put it like that. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Adapter signatures. What what yes. are they? Um, so adapter signatures at a high level, the way I would uh, explain them is that it's a way to do a signature that is incomplete. So you create a signature, but it's not actually valid. It, it's missing something. And what it, what it's missing, you can you can know the public key of what what, what is missing. So there's a number that is missing. Uh, that number is basically a private key, but you only know the public key of what is missing. So if someone reveals the private key, then you can complete the signature, and now the signature becomes valid. Right. I see. I think when I was trying to summarize summarize DLCs earlier, this mm -hmm. was kind of what I had in mind. But yeah. Okay, but this is actually what that is. Yes. All right, got it. And and, and it makes a whole lot of sense because it makes things a, a lot easier. Um, so what we had earlier was this mechanism where you publish a transaction. If you publish the wrong transaction, you get punished. Uh, and now we can basically get rid of that with adapter signatures because what we can do is we can, again, start from our 2 of 2 multisig that me and Shores have. And then we can create a bunch of transactions, in this case, two transactions, right? Shores wins or, or I win. We put our signature on that transaction, but we do it in such a way that it's incomplete. We do it with an adapter signature. And the signature where Shores wins can be completed if the Oracle signs uh, Germany wins. Right. And my transaction, that signature can be completed if the Oracle signs the Netherlands wins. And now we, we completely circumvent that issue of having to go back and having to punish uh, if Shores published the wrong transaction, having to publish him because he can't publish his transaction because the Oracle never revealed uh, that secret. Right. Yeah, so, I, so in the previous example, I explained that, like in a payment channel, both of you essentially have a mirror version of the transaction. Yeah. You both have sort of your own version of the transaction, and then you publish that, and then from that transaction, you can withdraw the funds. And in this case, you still kind of have these mirror versions of the transactions. However, you can't even publish it in the first place if you don't have the adapter signature. Yeah. Is that right? And that's also because so, the inputs are different in this case. So in the previous thing that we described are basically the money that takes it out of the multisig. The transaction that takes it out of the multisig is is the same. The The input side of the transaction is the same. That's the same signatures, essentially, because it's just taking out of a regular multisig. And what adapter signatures do is they kind of create broken signatures to get it out of the multisig. So you're you're not actually getting it out of the multisig, but once you've got it out of the multisig, you can just send it straight to your own wallet. Uh, the only thing is you can't get it out of the multisig uh, because you need this this thing from the Oracle. And we both do this. We both have this broken transaction that cannot spend any coins, and then we just hope that we get the private key. Yeah. So there's nothing we need to keep secret for each other. Well, except you know our own private keys, but yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, yeah. So this does sound like a streamlined version of the previous example. So in this yeah. case, to clarify this, if I'm getting it right, is the Netherlands won. Uh, the FIFA broadcasts a message that says the Netherlands won, and this time you actually use that message itself, Ruben, to combine that with your own signature and yeah, then and the Schorz's signature specifically, right? Because that's the one I need to complete. I, I can complete my own signature. That's not hard because I have my own key. Uh, but Schorz also had to put a signature on that transaction and that's the one I want to complete. Right, yeah. When I said your signature, I, okay, yeah. I kind of meant of the transaction the that, that you're holding. Yes, is that okay. right? Yeah. Yes, yes. But it is technically Schorz's signature. Right, yeah. got it. All right. Um, is there anything else? Uh, do you want to get into the P's and the G's and the... 
No, I mean, we, like we, you did before. we try to. And I think conceptually, you know, it's again, you just have an equation with something on the left and something on the right. And you yeah. can see what the Oracle knows and what you know. And that's all straightforward. The only thing I got confused of is because, you know, we're, we're doing this fancy lightning-like thing. The multi-sig, the transaction that goes out of the multi-sig is a joint, um, sort of a joint signature with something like Music 2 as a protocol. Ideally. And, and, yeah. and I was wondering whether you can actually combine that with this with this moon math yeah and I th i'm pretty sure the answer is yes yeah and then you think the answer is super straightforward yes <laughs> and and i looked at uh, some some comments by uh, nick um what's his last name uh, uh, uh jonas jonas nick jonas nick from uh, blockstream and he said complicated things about security proofs but he also said it was possible yeah um, so, yeah. so so maybe that it's you know you you, you want to talk to your local uh cryptographer before implementing something that is but that the, is always wise <laughs> for sure that is always wise okay I, but, but that's pretty much yeah i do have one more question oh no I, we have a bonus section yeah well you well you touched on this throughout uh, the episode at some point George, but i do want to get back to this point towards the end which is now yeah um so in the example so far we've used this very simple bet of the netherlands versus germany but now we want to bet on something like the, the price of Bitcoin in the yeah. future. So now there's not two outcomes, but there's, I don't know, a un unlimited, endless? No, not endless, but N. N. Oh, yeah, sure. So how would this translate to this these solutions? How are we going to... Well, naively, um, if you say you want to do the dollar price, and let's say it's a, it's a five-digit uh, binary number, just to make it simple and to sort of anticipate where we're going. Uh, so that's not a hu huge precision, but that's fine. For every combination, so for five, uh, two to the power of five, um, that's the number of combinations, we would write uh, a contract that redeems the correct amount for me and the correct amount for Ruben. So this is not no longer completely binary, but if the dollar price is 00001, then you know you get a little bit of Satoshi. If the dollar price is 1000, you get more Satoshi. That's the idea. So we could just sign all these transactions, but if you want to have a bit more precision, you know, we have to pre-sign a lot of transactions. Yeah. Uh, but for, for the Oracle's point of view, it's very simple. The Oracle just produces, publishes a binary number and signs that. All okay. right. So the, that, that's the, one way to do it. Yeah, the Oracle in this case would only have to sign one message for the Oracle. Nothing changes. It's very simple. However, the two of you would need to do a lot more preparation for yeah. all the different and, amounts. And so, and this works with both the proposals we just talked about, right? With the uh, adapter signatures, but also without the adapter signatures. Um, but we yeah. can do better. Yeah. So, okay. So uh, to be sh like, hopefully I'm not lost here, uh, but okay. So what you described thus far is you just get the Oracle to sign a specific number and, and that number is in binary in this case. Yeah. Uh, I already made it in binary. So it's easier yeah. to introduce yeah, your, yeah, your optimization. Yeah, yeah. Um, so um, in this case, you you could have every possible number. So five five bits would be thirty two uh, possible outcomes. So you could have thirty two transactions that, with every each and every outcome, uh, Shores and I get a different amount of Bitcoin depending on on the bet outcome. That's what you described thus far, basically, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So the thing that the Oracle can do is literally sign every bit. So there are five bits in this example, uh, and the bit can be either one or it can be zero. Uh, so there are 10 possible outcomes that the Oracle can basically sign. Uh, and out of those 10 outcomes, it is only allowed to sign five of them because we use the same trick where if it signs something twice, you can punish the Oracle. So for every bit, it can sign either a zero or a one, but never both. Because if it signs both, then we can punish the Oracle because we get their key. And so basically we get the Oracle to publish these five numbers which is the binary outcome of the uh, the dollar amount that we want. And with that, Shores and I can now create our transactions that we want to create to resolve our bets. But we can now, because we have the binary number, we can actually do some, some cool stuff with it. What, what we can do uh, is, so um, hopefully this is <laughs> followable. I, I'm not sure if this is going to be easy, uh, but basically... Uh, we have five bits, and let's say uh, my bet number was uh, set. Like the bet is that if it's seven or higher, uh, I, I win. For instance, yeah, um, that, that's what I was wrong in my example because I made it like a dollar derivative. But in this case, it's yeah. more like if it's more than if the dollar price is more than one satoshi, 
you win, or if it's less than one satoshi, I win. Yeah. But we want the dollar prize with high precision. Yeah, but but you could still have like you you could still have a bet where it's like between three and seven, we get paid out different amounts, and seven or more, I get paid out everything. Uh, three or less, you get paid out everything. Yeah. For and instance, the, the key right? here is that the like that. the oracle does not want to like make a custom bet for everybody. Yeah. It just wants to publish the actual dollar price. It doesn't care what ranges you have in mind. Yeah. So um yeah. So the nice thing is that you can sort of have these, you can have multiple outcomes. You can combine them in a single bet by just adding the points together. So in this case, uh, what we could do is if we want the outcome seven specifically, that means that the first three bits, the, the lowest three bits have to be one. And so we can make it, we can make an outcome where we just combine the key for first bit is one, second bit is one, third bit is one. We combine those three, uh, and that if the oracle reveals all three, then that specific bet outcome becomes valid. And that means seven or higher. Um, so in this case, what I described thus far is just seven. Uh, if we want seven or higher, then we need uh, another another transaction where we say or instead of uh, the first three bits, it's also okay if the oracle signed the fourth bit. Or it's also okay if the oracle signed the fifth bit. Yeah, so maybe we can make the example a little bit simpler if we wanted to say uh, one or higher. Um, um, yeah, uh, that that works. <laughs> well, then then it's uh, uh, if it's one or higher, then you can basically say if the first bit is is signed, then yeah. you win. Basically, regardless of what the other bits are. Uh, well, well, no, not not regardless of what the other bits are, because if the second bit is signed, if the answer is two, then the first bit is zero. So that's not that's not sufficient. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's the problem. So it is it is quite complicated. That's anyway, you, you can basically say like if these and these bits are signed, uh, that means this and this number range. Yeah. Uh, you can make bets like that, and and yeah. each each digit represents a public key, essentially. So yeah. before the oracle had only one public key, now the oracle might have I don't know how many bits you want. Maybe they have thirty two public keys. Yeah. And so you can actually make a smart contract, quote unquote, that that says something about which public keys have to be present. And um, this is very cool. Yeah. And uh, so uh, so this is why this is a bonus segment, basically, because it is complicated. And I'm sure we're losing <laughs> a lot of the audience. But uh, for those who are still with us, uh, basically, you know, really what, at a high level, what we've been describing here is that you can have these and and or statements with the oracles. So you can even combine multiple oracle outcomes uh, and you can say this and this and this outcome and this and this and this outcome. Uh, or this and this and this and this. And you can just basically make a whole bunch of bets based on uh, whatever you want. Um, so it just allows for a lot of custom uh, custom contracts, whereas the Oracle itself doesn't have to do a lot of complex things. It just has to sign the outcome in binary. Exactly. And I guess we're not even going to explain anything about it because I haven't even read it, but the bonus, 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 bonus section would be that with OpCTV, yeah. this is... Uh, a template thing where you can pre-commit to a whole series of child transactions, you can do even fancier things. Yeah, so I can maybe very briefly try to summarize it. Uh, basically, what we've done so far is we've been pre-signing all these transactions. And if you have a lot of bet outcomes, that's a lot of signatures. Um, and you can sort of get rid of those signatures by using OpCTV because OpCTV, you can have in tap scripts, you can have a bunch of OpCTV branches and then every branch commits to a different Oracle outcome. And then together with the signature of the Oracle for that specific outcome, you can publish that specific OpCTV branch. And what that means is that you only have to sign one specific tab script uh, with one signature from both of us. And that commits to every possible bet outcome. And so what that means is that it is just much faster to generate our bet. Um, other than that, it doesn't really change anything. Okay, I don't understand that, but maybe if I listen back to the episode, I will. I'm sure someone will okay. <laughs> out there. Back to Earth one last time. What's the status of all of these DLCs? Is anyone working on this? Um, is there any progress? So I know there's a work group uh, that has a mailing list uh, that you can follow. And, uh, I think it's a DLC uh, hyphen dev, but you, you ha you'd have to Google for that. Um, I know Chris Stewart is working on it. Uh, Lloyd Fournier is working on it. Um, Lloyd Fournier. Okay. Um, he actually, he came up with a way to do um, 
adapter sick just for ECDSA. So that's sort of the kind of the way in which it's being used today. Even though we have Shinor, I don't think the DLC project has switched from uh, ECDSA to, to Shinor yet. Um, so I would check out their projects. Um, I think it's DLCS, I think is Chris Stewart's uh, project. And I know Lloyd Fournier has uh, gun.fun, which is a very funny, uh, funny name. But he has a little uh, DLC project where he can basically create a bet and you can publish it on Twitter. And he sort of uh, came up with a, a way to sort of encode it in Twitter. So you can, it's, a, it's, it's quite a bit of data, but it fits into a tweet because it uses all these weird characters. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun little project. Uh, so if you want to mess around with it, I definitely recommend uh, that one. Yeah, I think Nicolas Dorier is also working on something. Uh, I think it's called NDLC. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with uh, with that, but that's cool. Uh, yeah, they, they did it. He used that and Chris Stewart used his own implementation, I guess. They've done this one bet on the presidency on the mm. presidential elections like last year, year ago. Uh, that's the only example that I know of that it was actually used in some way or another. Yeah. I used both projects on testnet, uh, but not mainnet. Right. Well, I think that covers it. I think so too. Yep. Uh, Ruben, thanks a lot for coming again. Uh, I, I don't think we could have done this without you. It was uh, a sure it, we could not have. It's it was a tough one, yeah, for sure. It's it's hard to explain it as well, um, but I think we did a decent job, even though I'm sure not everything was clear. At least I understand it better. Great. Uh, so do I, Shores. So that's good. That's that's uh, we won something today. Alrighty. In that case, uh, thank you for listening to Bitcoin Explained. There you go.